Hello and welcome to episode two of Retrotainment. Uh, the last episode went really well with Niall. Um, good views on YouTube and good feedback from anyone that I've heard listening to it. So happy to hear that. So with uh, with those positive feedbacks, we said, well, may as well do episode two then, I suppose, if it had all been shit. Would have had to kind of, the boss wouldn't have allowed that. Um so with that in mind, we've decided to bring on the uh, captain of the ship here, uh, the Dynamo, Ian Kelly. Welcome, bud. How are you doing? Cheers, buddy. I like the way you have that like awesome background of the three boys as well, and you just call me the captain of the ship. But that I will take that as the ultimate honor, considering yeah, what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, you're you're uh, you're Quint for yeah, today. and I'm and I'm Irish <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although hopefully by the end of this podcast you're in better shape than uh, poor old Quint was, but by the end of the yeah. film, yeah, 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 he went down fighting though. That's, that's well, I did. Matters. He always was going to, you know, not not a soft man, like a true Irishman. Yeah, true Irishman, true and true he is. Um, yeah, happy so, to be here. Happy to be here, man. I actually really enjoyed um, last week's episode. You know, for anyone that's thinking that uh, Ian Ian is going to join on uh, every podcast on the Dynamo Podcast Network, it's actually not true. Um, I've actually been invited on, on, uh, on this one. I mean, this was always going to happen, considering it's a retro, you know, it's a retro movie and retro, retro anything basically uh, podcast. So, I mean, me, Ted, and Noel, and a few of the lads have all kind of talked about this for a while. And Ted was the man to to kind of steer the ship. And um, it's just a case of when the right film comes up, you bring the right guy for that film. Do you know what I mean? Uh, last week people that know me were probably saying, Jesus, Dynamo was made for the Karate Kid one, um, considering I'm such a big fan. But uh, obviously circumstances being the New Year's and all um, schedules weren't, uh, you know, they weren't able to allow it. But you guys did a did a great job. I thought I actually really enjoyed uh, listening to it because Karate Kid's a movie that I probably watch at least once or twice a year. Um, the very same as this particular uh, movie that we're going to talk about today. I'll probably watch this at least three or four times a year, and that's not even an exaggeration. I'm probably actually going easy there. It's probably even more. Um, and I'm a Jaws guy, so I watch even the shitty ones. I watch all of them, you know, but uh, this is this is the mecca. But uh, yeah, no, I just wanted to give a shout out there to to yourself, Ted, for doing a great job. Uh, really enjoyed the first episode. Great feedback. People are enjoying it, um, both on audio, on all of the uh, platforms, and of course on uh, on YouTube as well. So you knocked it out of the park there. And like I say, um, I, I won't be appearing on every <laughs> every show that the lads do. It's just sometimes they ask me to come on if there's a certain topic, and you know, it's just the way it is, I suppose. The same way. Yeah. You well, guys this will probably... this was an important yeah. one to get you on because, um, like me and you have discussed this this film before in the past and what genre it falls into. For me, this was a Back in the day, it was a, it was considered a, a horror film, whereas yeah. that maybe it doesn't fall into that genre now. People look at it more as a, a thriller or whatever. But I still we've said it ourselves in the past. Like I still think this film has elicited more fears in people than a lot of other horror films, the likes of uh, Freddy and Jason. Like they might be scarier to watch, but I don't like they're not going to elicit that fear in someone. We both grew up on a seaside town and yeah. the, we've both said it ourselves the amount of people we know that refused flat out would not get in into the water even even as late into the you know their 20s oh, i'm not getting in there and you're like well you know that's not 
our coast doesn't have sharks in it lads like you'd be fine but just no like they've just had this fear and some of them wouldn't even get in a swimming pool because they had this insane fear there could be and obviously if there was a shark in a swimming pool you'd bloody well see it but (laughs) it's just this before it's just this this fear that this film would have instilled in people yeah i think so i'd say i'd say you're on the money there i think when you look back through history i think um i think the exorcist and um and jaws are probably the two movies that when you look back on documentaries more people walked out of the cinema or came out probably more terrified with these two films than any other film in history um, in terms of horror. So I think it still does kind of fall under the horror genre because it's just a, a scary concept. Like you said, it's it's a real shark, probably larger than most great white sharks, obviously made bigger for mm. the movie. But um, but it's a real threat in people's minds, you know what I mean? Um, same with the kind of exorcist thing, you know, that's, that's kind of you're dealing with the unknown. And I suppose you're dealing with the unknown when you're in the ocean swimming as well, because you don't know what's beneath you. Like you yeah, said, you can't see, you can't um, see, you can't see. No pun intended. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's it's uh, yeah, I would agree. I think this falls under both categories. You know, people can make a case for it being a thriller. You could, I would just say it's a horror slash yeah. thriller. Same, um, same as myself. Sure. I, it's it's for probably sure. my favorite horror film of all time. Um, yeah. I just think that the way it was done. Um, like filmed and how they they went about keeping it always entertaining and always up tempo, but also not oversaturating it with the shark as well. I think yeah, know, the, the, they we, we really get into the mechanics. Yeah, yeah, the mechanics of the shark obviously ended up being their biggest uh, asset. The fact that it didn't work correctly. Yeah, um, it meant that they couldn't use the uh, the shark as much as they as much as they originally wanted. So it's one of those kind of. You know, at the time, Spielberg is probably cursing everybody and um, probably wanting to get it, you know, as much to, close to like Peter Benchley's book as possible. But it ended up working out um, it ended up working out in their favor. It's one of those kind of things, isn't it? That kind of movie magic where, you know, things just happen for a reason. It's organic um, and it, it became the movie that, that we know it is now. It could have been a very different movie if we constantly seen the shark especially yeah. if it looked hokey or anything, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, and I, I think so. it did work out better for him just to, to like, obviously on the day, I'm sure he, he felt that everything was against him and that he was not, never going to get this all done. But I, I think it did work out for the best from him. And I'd say if he looks back on it now, he's he's happier now that the shark didn't work as planned and that he had to readjust the way that he was going to film it. Um, I suppose just for just for those who haven't uh, cottoned on as to which film we're talking about with my background and talk of boats and sharks it's it's Jaws obviously um, came out in 1975 so we're going back before either of us were um, were even being thought about yeah well well before yeah (laughs) yeah and again this was this was released again it's a summer film so released in uh, June 20th so this is again like you're taking a risk releasing a film like this especially during the summer because obviously people want to be going to the beaches and things so sure you take that risk of am i going to get a bad reputation off the bat here for causing this fear of the beach and then obviously people are like oh well don't go see that before you know like go go enjoy your summer first but um yeah. it, it it did well in the box offices again 
Um, I, yeah. I don't really judge films by box office or by ratings, but I always do think it is something to, that's worth having a look at. So um, yeah, it did $472 million in box office. Nearly half a billion, half a yeah. billion almost. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look back at the time that this came out again, as we said, 1975. That's huge, huge. The, now, I, I don't know if these figures have been adjusted or not, but um, if that's not adjusted, that just shows how big this film was. Um, to make that sort of money back in that day. Uh, and we all know Steven Spielberg now, you know, he's a big name, big director. But as far as I can remember, this is this is probably the first big hit film he directed. It was his first kind of huge one, yeah. Like it was, um, you know, because he was, he was obviously, he was obviously kind of in the game and he would, he'd always been there. Like he'd done some kind of short films in the, in the um in the 60s but basically had three shil- three films before that um so this was basically his his uh his ticket because uh even close encounters of the third kind like that came out two years after jaws a lot of people don't realize that yeah exactly and, i think uh, i think this is the one that really kicked him into the into the definitely. into stardom sort of in that in that circle and obviously he knew what worked as well because as you can see the the three good looking men behind you there in the background Richard Richard Dreyfus there in the front with the glasses he uh, he obviously went with him then two years later and did um, Close Encounters as well so yeah um, well, he's obviously a good person to work for because you wouldn't go and work for yeah. him again if he was terrible I suppose exactly. Um, exactly, yeah. just talking of ratings I always just looked them up uh, just beforehand so Rotten Tomato tends to be kind of the big one for people to go to. Um, and 98% from 90 critics. So that's, that's a pretty, that's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Huge rating there. Like, you know, that's one or two bad ratings is all that's dragging. That's back for, and that's like, yeah. And rotten tomatoes. Like I never judge out on rotten tomatoes either because they're very, they tend to be very, um, kind of snobbery in their yeah. reviews you know they you know they will look at films like atonement and all these period drama movies and say that they're 10 out of 10 but you know they'll probably say nightmare on elm street's a piece of shit so i, I would agree with you there it's horses for courses but when you do get a rating like that out of 90 critics with a 98 percent uh success rating that's huge for rotten tomatoes yeah. because they they pick they nitpick everything don't they yeah and that's the, the the only other good thing about rotten tomatoes is they do they both they separate both critic and just fan reviews so the likes yeah. of me and you yeah. going in um so the audience review which is just i don't know how many people this is you know could be up in the tens of thousands i have no idea but uh 90 as well so you're still talking a high rating even from just and like you, you've got to keep in mind that there's people maybe you know who are 15 or 16 and who might have just seen this and they'll sure. mark it down yeah. based on the shark didn't look real um it's real grainy or something like they, they could mark it down based on those things because they don't understand what you had to deal with back in the 1970s, even 1980s, 1990s. Like and they're the used to is, this clean, crisp yeah. uh, visual and they're not going to get it from something like this. And the funny thing is, it's still the most realistic looking shark in all of the Jaws series. It's yeah. they're still the most realistic, realistic looking sharks because we had like Deep Blue Sea. That was that was a pile of shit. I mean, it was a good movie at the time just because of the narrative. It was hokey, but um, you know, a mega shark, you know, on steroids or whatever. Um, yeah. but like shark movies still to this day have never been done. Uh, like me, I know you and me. Um, I've a few years on you, not too many, but we're, we're both from the same ballpark in terms of the movies that we watch and that we were into. And um, even your t shirt you're wearing, Jurassic Park, 
There's yeah. a lot to be said. And another Spielberg, you know what I mean? Yeah, I always another. say Spielberg, but uh, no, but it's a uh, it's it's there's a lot to be said again. Everyone knows me. Anyone that does know me knows I'm a, a crazy, crazy horror fan as well as like all movies, but I'm a big, big horror freak. And, um, you know, my favorite movies are always the ones that have the animatronics. Do you know what I mean? And they're always the best. I mean, we look at Gremlins, for example, all of this. It's just so realistic looking. Do you know what I mean? When they try and CGI everything nowadays, um, it's not great. And actually, you probably noticed in some movies, they're starting to go back to animatronics, especially on the... Uh, the kind of lower lower budget films yeah well they're um, cheaper as well what? obviously but um yeah. I, I think yeah they, they are cheaper but in certain scenarios i think they do work out better i think certain things just work Definitely. better if they're not cgi would in because obviously physically with, there yeah. yeah you can act yeah. around it like um ian mckellen who's obviously been around a long long time sure, i remember yeah. reading a quote from him about filming was it Lord of the Rings or possibly The Hobbit? I think it might have been The Hobbit. Um, uh, when he played Gandalf and that, and he said he didn't, he hated, hated filming it because he wasn't on set with people. It was just him. Yeah. And a green yeah. screen behind him, and the chairs were set up, but nobody was in them, so there was no reacting to what was actually there in front of him. It was just, yeah, doing his lines. And if you're meant to be shocked, you have to do your line and then be shocked there's no lines coming back at, at you either. So I think that that just kind of shows it like CGI just as, as great as CGI is, it's one expensive and two, maybe it just doesn't work for certain things. Like when you want to be reacting to a shark, if there's nothing yeah. there in front of you, it's very hard to try and give a reaction, you know? I would agree with that because it's, um, you know, for me being involved in like wrestling or anything like that, you're always trying to react to a person, to a real life person. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. you're told to just go and stand in a room and pretend that someone's coming at you or pretend to show an emotion, I'd say it's quite difficult unless like you're a method actor. You know, if you're someone like a, a De Niro or Mickey Rourke or, you know, Marlon Brando, these guys can just rip it out of the bag and play an emotion you know, in an empty room or in a room full of 100 people looking looking into space. But not everyone is a method actor. So I see that point that McKellen said. It's uh, it's very true. Like a lot of these guys want to play off a certain emotion and that, that emotion that you see on the screen, with, you know, between two people. Or even, as you say, even if it was a real life, you know, dinosaur in front of you, you want to kind of portray that fear so that you can see it in front of you. Or I suppose in Lord of the Rings case, like a, orc or something like that you know what i mean if, if, if you're trying to show yeah. real fear i'd say it's quite difficult yeah well it also just allows you to kind of you know position yourself that bit better do you know if, if it's a cgi yeah. you you might not like they've put markers on the ground but you can't look down to look at oh um have i gone past my marker oh no i haven't i'm fine if the if the object's physically in front of you you're not going to walk over it you know because it's physically there so you know can only get that close or I'll, I'll need to back up or whatever so i i do I, I like to see the fact that animatronics are coming back but i okay. i don't see it replacing it. like cgi will still be a big thing for a long time as well oh for sure both, Especially I, I, think, big... I think a mix a mix of both is going to be the way we see yeah, them going forward now which is but, good um, yeah yeah but yeah um so like it, it just looks like that this film gets a good rating all over from both critics and from fan audiences alike both above the 90s so that's you know it shows it stands the test of time which is always good to see yeah yeah um so i suppose we'll get into discussing the actual 
film itself. So it um it starts out it just two young, presumably college kids, running on the beach. Uh, douchebags, yeah. <laughs> one one guy chasing one girl. Um, yeah. And well, she's she, not a douchebag. He's a douchebag. Yeah. She's oh, she's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to you know pay your respects to the those who are dead, but. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they are dead now. That's but, um, That's true. She gets into the water, and he's he's too drunk to manage to follow her, which saves him because had he had he gotten in as well, there he's not he's not getting away. Um, yeah. but we're talking within five minutes of this film, dead, one gone, straight off the bat. Yeah, and I think even I would I would also say, and I'm sure you'll agree with this. Uh, I know you'll agree with this. Um, we may have spoken about this before. I mean, still, when I put that movie on, when the credits are rolling at the start, and you're you're looking through the eyes of the shark, you know, just swimming around. Yeah. And the suspense of that music. I mean, that music is, you know, the one thing we say about horror uh, and thrillers is that when they get the music right, it it, it really completes the film. And and you know, you're probably looking at about a good 20 to 30% of the film is based on music, especially in these movies, yeah. you know what I that mean? That suspense um, sound is so big yeah. to these, yeah. It's huge, like, I mean, you know, for example, like Halloween, every time you hear like yeah, you know, every, you know, when, when, when there's a, a scene coming, that is so big, and same with the same with the, uh, with the actual theme tune, but I think in Jaws, I mean, this is probably one of the most iconic, if not up in the top three, most iconic um, kind of teams in in any in movie history. Let's be yeah. real. And um, what I think works really well for it is the the slow build. Like obviously, you yes. say Halloween, but in Halloween, it's just that distinct sound. Whereas this one, yeah, yeah, So you you've got that build. So you hear it the first time. Yeah, the first time you hear it, you're kind of like, oh, this could be maybe. Maybe there's nothing going to happen because you hear it and then there's nothing. So you're like, oh, maybe yeah. I just imagined that bit. And then you hear it again yeah. and you're like, oh. So it kind of piques your interest. It keeps you. It does. Yeah. But the, yeah. the kill that we see this early, you don't see the shark here. You just see no. her, her get dragged under, appear back up and then get dragged under again. And then obviously her body is found um, washed up on the shore. Um, yeah. But you, you again, you don't see. The, the shark itself so you're obviously assuming well, that's what's shark that's what's scary about ocean. it yeah yeah that's what's scary about it you know what i mean you look but, at how many how many movies have you watched where like there's a monster or a ghost and you see too much of it and yeah. it becomes irrelevant then because i'm like okay well i see him now he's not as scary anymore whereas you see someone struggling for their life in the water you're going what in the name of good lord is, is that like you know what i mean so yeah and i think I that agree. was really smart but this as we say this is Prob- that was probably more to do with potluck that the that the animatronic didn't work itself at the start but like yeah. as we said this this works out better because now you've you've seen the death within five minutes so you're already sucked into the film sometimes films take a bit of a while to get into the the meat and bones of what's going to be happening this one's and her name the in. poor lady's the poor lady's name at that summer beach party is chrissy watkins for yeah. anybody that wants to try and correct us there we we we, we know yeah, a, but we've done our notes here. She's um she's killed quite quickly. Um, Very quickly, obviously yeah. quite gruesomely, as we see later on when not an autopsy, but um an investigation of her injuries is done. We see how people react, like they're sickened, but you, you never see the yeah. body either. 
which is obviously no. um that's to do with keeping the the parental guidance rating down as well you know that which is smart it allows more people to go see your film so um, well it was still i think it was still a 15s movie at the time um, i think so yeah but it, it was but, that, but i think it, if they showed the body it would have been an 18 so you'd lose that 15 to 18 oh, yeah, demographic yeah, yeah. as well yeah, this movie didn't need that. You know what I mean? I think you're right there. The movie didn't really need that. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. So it's, as, as I was saying, it's, it's it's a nice quick start. So you're not, you know, you're not sitting there waiting to see what happens. It's a quick start. So you're you're sucked in from the, the very beginning. But at no point do you know what you're, um, what you're dealing with straight away. Like, no. Presuming a shark and that's sort of confirmed when they get to the police station and he's typing up his report and he puts in um shark attack which he's then later has to correct on his police report because the mayor puts the squeeze on him yeah um which just shows this is this is the way you know things were back then this was larry cause... vaughn mayor larry vaughn is a prick it's gonna cause us yeah. too much money if you if you say shark attack no one will come and visit us i mean like are human lives worth less than the money you're going to make on this seaside village the mayor obviously thinks so and he puts the squeeze on the doctor to say oh i was wrong it wasn't a shark attack and because the doctor's corrected it now chief brody has to correct his one and so now it's not a shark now she's drowned uh, i think they said she was hit by a boat is yeah the medical reason given for her passing yeah, everyone like they all know that that's not true. It's just this. Oh, is of course, of course. And then we, they kind of, they kind of, they try and, um, they try and kayfabe. We, we, sorry, we won't use that word on this show. <laughs> uh, they try, they try and, uh, they try and pull the wool over everybody's eyes by catching a tiger shark. Of course, then like, you know, they get a bounty killer and bounty hunter, should I say, and loads of them to come in. Yeah, yeah, and and it's kind of. Um, it's one of those things. Um, we're probably moving, you know, away. We've a little jumped bit, ahead but... a little bit here, but yeah, it just, just a little the bit. Way the mayor looks yeah. at things. Yeah, anything will do if you can just kind of. Ah, uh, we've caught something that, and we can just blame it on that. That's fine. Yeah, but it's a local fisherman. Sorry that 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 um, actually, uh, you know, says that he catches a tiger shark. But obviously, before that, we get our boy Quint who comes in with the, you know, he's the offered ten offer. grand to kill it. Yeah, and I mean, ten, ten grand, ten, ten grand, geez. nothing. Nothing nowadays, you know, they'd have just given it to him. Nowadays, but, oh, but yeah, I mean, sure. in, uh, there you go. You know, in, in, ten grand wouldn't even get your leg back on you. So yeah. it's like, uh, it's. But back then, I mean, 1975, you're talking ten grand is probably the equivalent of maybe, you know, mil, 50, say, 60 yeah. grand now. Yeah, or, yeah, you know, closer oh. to the hundred grand. So, um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously, you know, they still, they're still obviously the oceanographer is, um is still looking at Chrissy's body as well. And they're, you know, they're still trying to get to the bottom of what they really think this is. Yeah. And it just shows kind of... what the, what the mayor is like though. You know, it, it shows the corruption there that he was more Shady, concerned about, exactly. more concerned about making money than he was about, you know, protecting people because Brody's number one concern is oh, we need to close the beach. And he's like, Nope, that is not happening. Exactly. Nobody is closing that beach, which yeah. um, obviously leads to, um, quite quickly within the next 10, 15 minutes, we see the second, uh, well, second and we see the second death, but there's uh, two deaths here because the dog goes missing, obviously in the ocean, which you don't yeah. see because, you know, Good. You, I, I yeah, want to believe that that dog is still I, alive. Yeah. I, I like yeah. to think that that dog just noticed the danger and just bolted. But uh, we he see the kid, it. the kid gets 
killed. And again, you don't see the shark, but this time you get to see the blood in the water, which you don't get to see with the first death. The first death, it's all all underwater. You don't see any um, uh, red blood up in the surface of the water, but the, this young child obviously gets killed. Alex Kittner and then his mother, of course. Blamed, well, she's... Uh, blamed. Brody. I wish they'd gotten yeah. someone better to do that part because when she's complaining to Brody about him knowing it just it at no point do you feel sympathy for her. No, no, and that's like you should it feel sympathy that's... because you know this woman's yeah. just lost her child. But she also she looks like she's not to be bad, but she looks like she's in about her seventies, and you're kind of thinking, <laughs> What maybe you should have just made this her grandkid, because that kid is like seven or eight. Like yeah, the biologically that is not her kid, like. <laughs> yeah yeah like that's definitely unless like she's part of some sort of swinger uh part of amity somewhere in the yeah, town and she's maybe you know, it's, it's, it's possible it's possible I, I think, we're looking at the dark side now yeah, of, uh... i think she was just i think she was a bad cast there because i didn't feel any sympathy or emotion for her when she was doing this part where she was meant to be pulling at the heartstrings and saying you know that's my child you knew that this was a shark and you didn't do anything about it yeah. You feel more sympathy for Brody because you're like, yeah, and he did want to do something about it, and the mayor said no. You feel more sympathy yeah. for the person that's getting blamed than you do for this person who's just lost their young child. So I think that that kind that's probably like one of my biggest gripes with the film, really, just that that particular yeah. scene didn't really cause any hit, like any sort of emotional hit, which is unfortunate. No. No, but I mean, we we understand the narrative, like, and obviously we feel yeah. we actually feel sorry for Brody here because Brody's now taken, you know, taking the abuse and he's getting blamed when it when it's the when it's obviously the mayor and he's, you know, he's, uh, I mean, obviously with Hooper in there, like Hooper's, you know, almost on the same page as Brody. Brody just wants to get to the bottom of it, but Hooper really wants to get to the bottom of it because he's an oceanologist, and yeah. Uh, you I think know, it's, th- it's, this uh, is about when he gets Hooper in because it's after this little is. boy's death yeah. that they yeah. have the town meeting to decide whether they're going to stay open or if they're going to close for the summer, which they obviously decide staying open and closing the beach for one day to catch this shark, which is when they catch this tiger shark. Tiger shark. Yeah. But then and Hooper finds what is a large tooth. They go uh, scuba diving and Hooper wants to dissect yeah, this this tiger shark to prove like this isn't the shark because he's going to look at the stomach contents and go this isn't and the mayor again says no because he's like it what if it is which i can understand that part on the mayor like what if it was the shark that attacked the boy the last thing you would want is to cut it open and the boy's body to come out but you could still do it in private but the mayor doesn't want that because he knows that that will allow a proof to come out that um that they've caught the wrong shark yeah um, so yeah, then they go deep sea diving, which you know, fair play to him because he's gotten into a water that he's he he actively believes there's still like a big predator in. He just yeah. dives dives straight in, and um, he finds the big tooth, and uh, then gets spooked by the uh, dead body within the boat, and yeah. drops it, which loses the evidence. So now they have no evidence to go back with, but they've confirmed their own suspicion of. This is a, a big one, a great white. Really smart piece of um, film there as well, to be fair, dropping the tooth and getting spooked by the dead body. Because if he brings out the tooth, it's like, look, I'm at to find the dead body down there. Here's the tooth. By losing the tooth, he has to then convince the mayor who doesn't want to hear anyway. But what you said there is so true. 
he has basically confirmed his own his own suspicion. So he knows categorically that there is a humongous great white shark swimming these waters and he's certainly not going to go back down to rummage for that tooth again yeah and i think that's the great thing is that you get spooked but it's not because the predator itself shows up because then you have yeah. to, then you have to sh- sh- you have to show the shark um yeah which you know they don't want to do just yet so you use this dead body which would spook you if you were down there and oh, this yeah. dead body just appears in this hole in a of a boat that would spook you enough to oh, let go of that and you're in the ocean so it's just going to sink straight away and you're going to want to get out because you're going to be like crap there's a dead body here i'm getting away from this yeah and he swims back up onto um onto his boat um obviously terrified which you know all of us would be you would be um so they drag the boat back in again mare not hearing any of this uh no these are these are wrong it's it's not a great white we we caught the shark the shark is um the shark's dead. Forget about that. Um, but then we have the big party where everyone's showed up for the 4th of July. Obviously, the big uh, big celebration for the Americans. Every, everyone's there. Everyone's on the beach. But no one is getting into the water. Everyone's there, but there's no one in the water. And the mayor goes over to one of the the people from the town. And he's like, get in the water. And your man's kind of like, oh, let's put some some cream on, and you know, I'm just gonna let it dry in before getting in the water, which just shows that he's timid as well. Like he doesn't want to get in that water. Him and his family are like, we're not getting in there. Like, but the mayor yeah. again puts the screws to him. Get in yeah. that fucking water, essentially. Like, yeah, get in there, like or I'm in. gonna ruin your business, essentially. Yeah. So he gets up and he takes his wife and two kids kind of by the there are three kids kind of by the hands and slowly makes his way to the water and he gets in and everything seems fine so everyone yeah. else gets in great now now everyone's in the water um monkey and see we, monkey do yeah yeah and we've been told earlier that what attracts the great white is the splashing that humans make when they're swimming um the only good thing about this is that uh brody has been allowed to walk the beach himself to keep an eye on things and he has loads of boats out with um obviously sea marshals and things um floating around to keep an eye for this shark just in case anything does happen so they are taking some safety precautions but still not really enough like when you know categorically that you've got a great white shark swimming around eating people I mean, I guess in the back of your mind, you're hoping that the shark, you know, got something and then he's he swam off somewhere else and he's not coming back. That's the hope. Um, it's not like, he, you know, he has a gaff down at the bottom of the sea there and he's just yeah. waiting around Amity. You're hoping he swam off somewhere else. But again, that's why Brody is obviously there to double check because he knows in his heart of hearts that he trusts Hooper, obviously. Yeah, and Hooper's um, told him he's, told he's not going to stop until yeah. there's nothing to eat here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you can see his fear in that he, um, his oldest boy wants to get in with his little boat and all his mates and go around. And he's like, uh-uh, go over to the pond, which, you know, it's not a pond. It's That's just what, obviously what they call this section. It's the shallow of the area of the sea, of course, for, yeah, for, for the kids. It's exactly. off to the yeah. side. And the kid says, I don't want to get in there. That's for the old grannies. Um, and he's like, well, I don't care. Go in there. So it shows that he's still... 
he's not comfortable with letting his family in it, but he can't control, you know, you can't control somebody else's family. So you just look out for your own one. Um, and unfortunately, he's made the wrong decision that the boy would have been safer in the in the main waters than the the um, than the pool, as they call it, because mm -hmm. that's where the shark goes off to. Um, yep. Not before causing, not before being seen, and then causing a stampede of everyone getting out of the water, which we see quite a few people get trampled and. Uh, basically drowned um, and yeah. they don't explicitly say that anyone's died from this but i think it's kind of implied that a couple of people, evidently it looks that way yeah, yeah it looks yeah. like a couple of people have been knocked to the ground in the slightly shallower bits and just couldn't get their faces out of the water um but this is where we see the next death of some drunk guy yeah kind of just floating around in the pond um gets torn to pieces um and Brody's kid goes into um, a state of shock, essentially, um, but gets dragged out with no no injuries, luckily, um, and spends the night in in the hospital. Yeah. Um, and this is when we see the mayor finally realize how big a problem this actually is. Um, and and the mayor himself is almost in a state of shock. You know. He's yeah, gonna... he is. He's in a state of shock, and. <laughs> They try to kind of get a bit of sympathy back for him here, where he's like, "My kids were in the water too." Yes, you don't really feel much yes. sympathy for him because you're like, "Yeah, because you told them to." Like, dude, this is you know, it's not your fault, but like, you know, you didn't do anything to prevent this. I think you get a little bit of sympathy for him, just a tiny bit, when you watch it with older with older eyes, because you're going, yeah. "Right, he obviously just didn't really trust the source. He thought, you know." Like this isn't a big thing. It's probably a once-off. Like like I said earlier, probably thought he swam off. He's not coming back. Um, you know the the risk outweighs the, you know the. The reward is I big, suppose. yeah. I think that's yeah. what it is. He yeah. just he wants he doesn't want to believe. He wants to, he wants to believe that this shark is gone. He just he doesn't want it to still be there. Doesn't want it to yeah. be a problem and knows it's not something he's in control of. Yeah, yeah. But um, he after this he gives the. The big big payday to Quint, ten thousand. Ooh, big big money, lads. Um, big dollars, which it obviously is back then. But um, hookers and hookers and cocaine money for old Quint. <laughs> yeah, but we see we see where Quint lives, and we see the number of sharks that he has killed by all of the um, essentially skulls and teeth that yeah. he has in the shop. Um, so we know he's he's skilled in what he's he's going to do. Yeah, uh, but he wanted to go out alone. He, that was his original plan: was that he was going to go alone, nobody with him. Um, which it probably transpires was a good thing that he wasn't allowed to do that. That uh, Hooper was like, "Nah, nah, nah, I'm, I'm coming," because no way Quint would have, um, would have captured this bad boy solo. No, no, not a hope. And and that's saying, and we we obviously. Quint and Hooper, obviously, the dynamic between these two guys is great, obviously, throughout the film, but you can see it here. They really don't like each other. Um, Quint looks at Cooper as just some kind of college kid, you know what I mean, with with a degree, and doesn't kind of look at him as a real kind of... Man's um, man. Who, yeah, as a man's man or, or someone with boots on the ground, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's a really, really interesting here that we see at the start how the relationship develops between... Um, Quint and Hooper. 
uh, I just thought that's good to point out because um, it, it, you know it goes throughout the film and and it's really it's a really nice little uh, nice little side story throughout the film I think. Yeah, and Quint, Quint very much views it as a you're looking at this as kind of like a leisurely thing. Oh, we'll go see the shark because he has the cage and he's like, I'll be able to get into the water and and see the shark. And Quint is like, No, <laughs> it's a shark. You, you don't look at it. You kill it. Like, that's how he yeah. views it. He's just like, you just kill it. There's none of this yeah. looking at it and experimenting with it. Nope, it's just, it's kill or be killed as far as Quint's concerned. And he obviously looks at Hooper as a, that's not the way you're looking at this. You're looking at this as like a field trip. This is a, this is a mission, like not a field trip. Yeah. Um. This is a bounty hunt, basically. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. It's t- 10 grand. And the agreement is that the two boys don't get any of the 10 grand. It's all going to be for Quint. That's the only reason he lets them come along is that the money is rightly all for so. Him. Yeah, rightly you know, he's so. you know, if they decide they want to come along, they want to come along. That's you know their prerogative. So um out they go on his his little boat, the Orca. Um now I don't know. I love the name. I love yeah, the I was name. gonna that's what I was gonna say. Now I never noticed this the, like back when I watched it when I was a kid, because you wouldn't know, but now when you look back at it with adult eyes, what does what hunts the great white shark? The orcas. Exactly. And that's what he's named his boat. And it's very, it, it is, it's a very smart, um, it's a very smart little Easter egg sort of thing that it Spielberg's is. put it in is. there. It is. I really like it. Well, I think that was in the book as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, um, we, we'll give the credit, of course. Um, we give the credit, obviously, to the, to the book, which was, I mean, I think the book came out, with, I know, obviously it was, um, this was what, 75, you said? Let me just check. Cause I'd yeah, like to 75. get a, yeah. I know Peter Benchley wrote the book. I just wanted to see what year it was that was written. I know there's probably people going 1971. There you go. Um, so it's not it's not that much beforehand. So they obviously thought saw great potential no, in this. It was actually published in 1974. There you go. Oh, so this is how this is how much uh, stock uh, Spielberg pay, placed in this book. He obviously really saw something in it to take yeah, it from yeah, that yeah. quick to. Yeah. To um to start filming because if if it came out in 1975, you know it's not it's not filmed in two days, you know. A year later, time. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Takes time. Yeah. Um, the one thing I just want to jump back to that we kind of didn't mention there was um in that death in the pool. That's the first time we actually see the shark. Yeah. Um, and that's that's actually an hour into the film. So that's yeah. how that's how long you're talking. This film is under two hours, so it's past the halfway point before we actually see the um the bad guy of the film i suppose it's like yeah like it sounds like a slow build if you're saying it that way so a lot of people that yeah. may never you know i don't know if anybody hasn't seen jaws to be fair if you have if you're only a young guy or girl watching this and you've always thought of watching jaws do it because it's not like it's a, sto- a slow build and it's boring all the way up until this point it's not the fear is created within the characters and within the narrative that the characters are playing yeah. you know what i mean um, so I think it's a really good point to make there actually that we don't see him basically for an hour, yeah. Hour in. So, half more than halfway through the film is the first time we see the shark itself, but that's what I was saying yeah. that from even from the start, the first five minutes, you're brought in because he's killed his first uh victim essentially, yeah. In the terms of yeah. a horror, you know, you've got your, your hunter or your villain and his victims, and the victims come fast and they come quick. Um, but it you don't get to see tone, him. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's a it's a real real start. Um, 
but Quint uh, Quint obviously brings them out and he's his intention is just we're going to kill this shark but uh, Hooper the first time they come up to see the shark Hooper starts uh, Hooper has to tie something to the barrel so the barrels are obviously there to stop the shark from diving back under so that you know you get two or three barrels in him then you'll know where he is the entire time it's easier to kill him you know you can follow but, um, him exactly yeah. yeah hooper's they nearly mess up the first shot which is the which would have been a kill shot because it's when the shark's coming at him with his mouth wide open so hooper's messing around here trying to get this um tracker locator tied to the barrel whereas if he'd just done as quint asks quint's got a pretty much like a, a dead cert kill here but he has to wait so long that it now just becomes a shot into kind of the side of the the shark and it just swims off and it, it again shows the difference in the two characters hooper's more concerned with tracking and he loves sharks which he alludes to himself but he's more concerned with the tracking and viewing of the shark than he is with yeah, the he wants to observe obviously it. it's yeah. yeah he wants to observe his movements and its habits and stuff like that so he can obviously learn from it being an oceanologist whereas as you said like quint is basically a bounty hunter and he gets paid to kill these bad boys you know what i mean and obviously we learn as we get depth with, with quint later on that he obviously gives a shit about people dying as well it's not it's not so much you know um obvious that that's the case but you know we we see that he's a good man you know yeah, what I from mean? the start also. he's painted as the kind of you know i only give a shit about me sort of guy and then it's, it's yeah, as we get exactly. into the film we the the big the big scene i suppose we should go to it. it's it spielberg still says it's his favorite scene from the entire film but um quint discussing his uh his army days yes um one of the most iconic movies. Yeah, it's a, it's a great it's a great speech. Um, really well done. Um Did you he, know that he was actually drunk on this one? Oh, he's actually drunk when he's telling this. Yeah, does a good, so I watched, does a good uh, job remembering his lines anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a little caveat. Um watching the making of Jaws, it's 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 out there for people to see, I'm sure, mm. on YouTube somewhere. Um I'd say you'd be interested in it, obviously. Um but basically Quint had tried it a few times, you know earlier in the day and like he hadn't but he actually got pissed for this scene the boys actually were pissed drunk for this scene well they and do a they good just, job in it yeah so they just went with it um a lot of it uh, apparently a lot of it was ad-libbed as well um you know some of the stuff that was in that scene was ad-libbed um so they just the cameras were rolling on this and they went that's it that's it and yeah. it shows that some of the most organic stuff that we always talk about a lot of the time is ad-libbed. It's it's basically the artist, or in this case, the actor, allowed kind of creative freedom. Yeah. Because and see, this wouldn't work guys... in a CGI format, because if, you, if no. you don't have the guys there to react to what you're saying, you can't get exactly. this sort of um, realism, I suppose. I know it's not real because it's it's not what's actually happened to him, but it, he's living in the moment, you know? Like, he's he's dived into the character. And the thing about Quint as well is like when he's telling these stories, it's so believable because like Richard Dreyfus was a badass in real life anyway, mm. you know, and you can tell by looking at him, he was a big enough man and he looks, you know, fairly handy. Um, it's the I'd voice as well, handy. the gravelly, the, the voice, gravelly voice as well, doesn't it? Really lends, lends itself to yeah. it. Yeah. And they're coming at you with the down and they're like, you really, and this is what's great about it. 
it's like um, it's like iconic characters in in entertainment. You know, we look at someone. I know it's probably off topic, but we look at someone like Jake the Snake Roberts. They speak very low and gravelly. Mm. So you actually find yourself when you're listening to the scenes that you're actually paying more attention because you're trying to understand what he's actually saying and what he's talking about. Because this, like you know, with a few beers on him and probably about a hundred smokes, <laughs> he's uh, he's he's talking away and he's like, yeah, you know, and you're kind of going what is this guy actually saying? Oh, now I get what he's saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, it's just such a great scene. And of course, the singing the song uh, together and all that as well. This is, this is where you really see um, Hooper starting to have a bit of respect for Quint as well, I think. And they we already know Brody does. It. Yeah. They both kind of gain this respect for each other in, they like do. when you hear this they story, do. because you can see why Quint has this kind of hatred sort of for sharks, because when he's telling the story, he does such a good job with this because obviously, you know, he could have just read his lines and it would have been, you know, okay, it would have been fine. But he said he does such a good job where he pauses in all the right places to allow yeah. what he says to sink in um, and to allow the emotion of what's happening. But he paints a really yeah. good picture of, you know, sure. we went down off the coast um, and we were just surrounded by all these sharks. Yeah. So we just went back to back and just tried to hold them off. And then he paints the picture of when someone gets attacked that you hear these um, high-pitched screams. It's not like, a, oh, help, help. Like, no, there's no manliness, no bravado being shown by these guys because they know, like, this is them done. Like, you can't beat this thing. Like, this is a, a predator, a top-of-the-range top predator that's swimming. In his you. domain as well. Yeah, like, you, you, can't, know? you can't win this fight. Um, and he says that, I think, a hundred of them were out there and 32 come out, which I think is a really good little bit because a lot of the times films go for that trope of, you know, and I was the only one to get out. And I think, you know, that'd be a bit much because if you're the only one there and there's like a hundred sharks around, like how did you manage to be the only one to get out? So I think the idea of not making what him... What were you, Aquaman? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I think the idea of not making him this ultimate badass, I'm the only one to survive out of everyone. I think that was the right thing to do, to say that, you know, a, a good few people survived. You know, like 32 of us survived. Like, that's nearly a third of the people survived. But it's still, you know, two thirds died. But what's also great in that scene, and I think Richard Dreyfus, like he deserves all the credit in the world world for that acting ability that he showed there as well, is that he actually showed fear as well. He showed vulnerability yeah. in when he's talking about it. So like you say, he's not this ultimate badass that went in like Aquaman and just punched the shark in the fucking nose and, you know, swam to shore and he was, you know, still haunts with him. A, it haunts him, exactly. So he shows vulnerability, even though he's this tough, alpha male character on land he's saying like this is their domain like this is their yeah. territory you know what i mean and it's it's really it's really nice and you know i'd actually urge anybody just to just to even just go back and watch that scene just to, to listen over again and you'll yeah. kind of see what we mean by that and the kind of it, like i say there's three things happening there there's the narrative of what he's saying and then secondly you're seeing quint show that little bit of vulnerability as well. That he is but human, still, like it's not just a, a killer. And then I think the third part is that you're seeing the bonding between the boys. This is like, right, we can work together now. Like there's, there's yeah. a, there's a, without hugging each other at and like we can actually bond over this story and we'll all sing a song and we'll shoot a few, uh, a few whiskeys or whatever. And it was a uh, really cool. Yeah. And at, at this point they've gotten, I think 
it's still just the one attack they've had from the shark where they've uh, shot the one the one shot yes. at him. Um, yeah. But he obviously comes back. But as they've gotten drunker and drunker, they've gotten louder and louder and, you know, more rambunctious and they're singing songs and stuff. So they don't hear the first initial kind of thunk, which I think throws back really well to the first time that they encounter the shark that um, both Hooper and uh, Chief Brody don't recognize the small telltale sign that Quint does of the line moving. Yeah. So the, when they're first there and everyone's sober and everyone's focused, the slight movement of that line, Quint is Quint's alert. He's like, he's on the ball. Yeah. He's like, it's here, it's here. But now that he's he's gotten drunk and that you know they're all being <laughs> yeah. a bit merry, this shark hitting into the bottom of their boat and causing damage to their boat, none of them noticed it because they were all too. They felt safe. I suppose, like they felt safe in each other's company now, and they weren't trying yes, to that's, go that's each other it. up. They weren't trying to be like, yeah. "I'm the better man." They were all just, they were brothers now, and it let this safety get into them, which is probably something that Quint doesn't really wouldn't really happen with Quint normally. And this bond was built originally by them showing the scars. Oh, I got this one from a from a, a shark attacking me, and I got this one from a, a burn, and this, that, and the other. Um. And I think th- there's one bit here, and there's still a lot of discussion about it. I don't think it's ever really been brought up. But um, when they're discussing these scars, um, Hooper talks about, or sorry, not Hooper. I think it's Quint talks about the one on his leg that comes from the tiger shark tail yes. whipping. Um, and Brody reacts to this very quickly. He goes, tiger? Uh, and they go, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a type of shark. But he... It's never discussed, but we we know that Brody doesn't like the water. He has a yep. fear of it, but he's always he's always claimed it's to do with to do with drowning. But after the word tiger is mentioned, he picks up his top and looks down, and we see a scar here. Now this is an act. This is a this is a real scar. It comes from the actor having uh, his appendix removed. So yep. some people believe, oh, the reason he did that is because he obviously just uh, doesn't feel his scar is. Um, a big enough deal to discuss with these lads who are talking about being attacked by sharks and burnt from. But Dave if you look, but if you look a bit deeper, though, yeah, it, it, yeah, the it was, underlying stories. Well, some people think that it's to do with because he was a police officer before he moves down here, up in New York, and they think it's to do with him getting shot in New York, mm-hmm. and they think that's the scar from it. But I don't think that's the case because this is only something I looked at just after I noticed this. There is sharks in New York City. What type of sharks? Tiger sharks. Tiger sharks. And I, I looked to see if anyone else had, you know, made this sort of connection and had it ever been confirmed by Spielberg or by the writer of the book or anything, what this scar was. And I've never seen, I genuinely haven't seen any anybody discussing this. So That's just really it's, interesting. That's really interesting. Is yeah. this scar from a tiger shark's tail hitting him when he's a young child in the water? You know what? I think we should go with that. I, mean, you know, I, I, I think the, I think that's the idea, but it's never been discussed or confirmed because if it no is reason. the idea as well, it's it's one of those genius moments as, as well. Do you know what I mean? Because like you say, um, obviously the actor Roy Schneider actually plays that really well too. Yeah. Because like you say, he does it so subtly, and he's like, these two motherfuckers are covered head to toe in scars, and I just got this little scar here. But it but shows like, that the say, hurt of the shark's still there because he wasn't willing to tell them about this scar. So maybe maybe it was just something easy and he's just like, oh, I don't feel it's manly enough. But it could also be that there's still this 
this fear of even discussing what happened to him as a child yeah 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 no that's a really that's a really good uh that's a really good observation there but uh, yeah like i mean obviously after this it's it's kind of you know it builds up very quick after this yeah, now. very quick yeah yeah so they're back um, out trying to hunt hunt the shark firing the the harpoons with the barrels attached um and they finally get three attached and uh quint says no way he's going back under with that now um, yeah, because he harpoons them obviously with a, with a, with, with, obviously with another barrel. Like, yeah, so they eventually get three, and he says, "There's no way he's going back under now." Um, and then we see the shark um, pop up, and they finally realize the actual size Sorry, of this of shark. The They're like, "This is a twenty-five yeah. footer. Like, this is a big, big boy." Yeah. Um, but they realize that there's nothing they can, they can do. They're the shark's attacked. It's destroyed the boat essentially and um, they realize that the harpoons are not not getting the job done um so quint asks super you got any ideas which again this shows the at the start quint would never have asked for advice no. from this you know this punk college kid but yeah. now he's, he's gained this respect and he's like okay like what have, what have you got and they were like the the ship blows out because they're trying to lead the shark back to shallow waters to kill it and of course yeah quint is flooring it and they keep telling them like you're gonna burn it out you're gonna burn it out and he's just not listening he's like ah i know what i'm doing um (laughs) trying to show some of that you know bravado again he's Um, still also pissed as well let's be real he's still hammered yeah (laughs) but uh obviously he is wrong so they're like right now we got to kill it before before you know like it kills us um, and we've jumped past one of the most iconic lines, actually. The I think we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> which mean, is that's actually Brody's Brody's line. I mean, it's just yeah. Um, and I think his facial expression when he says it too, like he does it in such a way where it it sounds like a comedic line now. Yeah, and it kind of is a comedic line, but he says it with such fear in his face, also. You know. Yeah, and that's it's. Um, they, they, he says that just as they realize how big the shark actually is. Because this just, shark, like you said, yeah, he's a twenty-five footer. Like it's, yeah. it's it's not a normal great white shark. This this is a big, huge big, bad big boy. boy. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. But um, they obviously go down and uh, Hooper goes down in the cage with the um, essentially poison on a stick. That the idea is that when the shark attacks, he's gonna you can't get through the hide. So when the shark comes at the cage to bite it open, you jab it into his mouth, and that you can inject the poison that way. Um, good idea in theory. Yeah. Um, doesn't really work out so well because obviously the shark just tears through this cage, and it's Mike smart Tyson because it doesn't, a, doesn't just come Mike straight Tyson. at him; it comes behind him and circles him. Yeah, it's it's not just some dumb predator hunting. It's I was kind of thinking that's a good uh, a good opportune uh, line because you know Mike Tyson always had that um, motto that everyone has a game plan until they get punched in the face. And it's that's like what everyone this has a game plan until the shark comes at them in a cage. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's crazy, like yeah. But the shark just destroys this cage and kills uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, <coughs> in fear again, and it, this alludes back to earlier, the fear that Hooper feels when he's underwater, because obviously, you know, you're underwater, so things are going to be that bit scarier. Um, he drops it, and again, down to the bottom. Same as the tooth. This one thing that you know dead cert like this will kill him and this proves it both things hooper drops 
and they float down to the floor of the ocean and Hooper just yeah. he's like all right I'm just gonna go hide and just swim somewhere and hide in some rocks here because I'm I'm not facing that again uh, fear which is only understandable you know it's a great white shark a 25 foot great white shark attacking yes. you and you thought this cage would protect you nah brud this is just destroyed within seconds by this shark yeah it's it's absolutely it's such a it's such a um, tense moment um you know and the, the two whole, boys the up scene. on top have no idea what's going on they're just panicking because they can see the cage the pulley system for the cage rattling around so they're mm-hmm. they're just like this isn't going well like well what are we going to do now and they know the boat's yeah. fucked so there's nothing they can do they're just going to be sitting ducks now yeah yeah um but obviously hooper does get away and just goes and hides for a little bit and they get the cage back up onto the boat um it's empty it's been torn apart and uh the shark is continuing to attack and he jumps up onto the boat uh crushes the back end of it so it's now at a tilt so everything's sliding towards him um yeah so it's it's full panic stations now just throw whatever you've got at them and hope for the best and everything on uh, the kitchen sink yeah and unfortunately for quint that's that's where the story ends he slides yeah. down and as much as he kicks at the shark in the face and tries to help and poke at it with whatever objects he can find when when a predator like that gets it gets at you there's no saving you and you hear the high-pitched scream from him that he's alluded to hearing so many yeah. times in his life as the shark just tears through his body um, and it's not yeah. it's not slow either or sorry, it, it is slow. It's not like a quick just chomp. That's him gone, which no, the shark no, is obviously no, capable of. It's like it's basically gnawing at him, and it's it's um it's a torturous death. And to be honest with you, he goes out like a champ. It's actually one of those uh one of those kind of scenes that you're like, oh shit, man! That like right when you're watching the film first as a kid, like he's not necessarily your favorite character because you don't mm. understand you know everything, and and you're kind of like you know. You're on Brody's kind of yeah. Team, Brody's the hero, you know. Brody's the hero, but uh, but realistically, like this lad, you know, was just going right. I'm in the shark's mouth. I'm gonna fucking try everything I have still, but uh, it's it's too little, too late, and uh, yeah, yeah, and it's it's it's, it's a real slow death. This is the only like real like all the other deaths are quick. You know, they're just well, they're quick. Uh, like they're not brutal. At- the very li- this is the first brutal death scene where you see the ch- the shark like bite his leg off and then like bite into his body but not clean through that it kills him it's like tearing at him and ripping at him it, it, this is like this is quite a brutal death scene like you know mm. we, we've seen way worse now because obviously cinematics and cgi allow us to see worse now and films like saw have come out where things are way more brutal but like in the 70s this is it's brutal. This be, yeah. Like this is one of the most brutal things people have probably seen at the time. Like this is insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. But obviously, uh, Brody has the idea. Then he's still trying to survive, so he's just throwing everything he can at the um, at the shark, and he eventually comes across the um, compressed air tank, the second compressed air tank that uh, Hooper's brought along, and he Hooper told him like this thing will explode, like and kill us if you don't be careful with it. So he says to himself, maybe the shark will bite into it and it'll just kaboom. 
and that that'll at least kill the shark even if it kills me you know probably a better way to go than what's happened to poor quint there to be fair um so he throws this canister at him and the shark just kind of, it kind of just the shark doesn't bite through it jaws doesn't bite through it it's just kind of in his mouth sort of so it doesn't explode like he's expecting so he has to go and hunt down um hunt down the the rifle gun yeah climbs up onto the crow's nest actually yeah. the boat and he's like lying on it waiting for, <laughs> waiting for the shark to surface um which you know is obviously a terrifying if you're in it but it, it looks quite funny the way he's like lying on top of it being like come on <laughs> yeah yeah but um obviously eventually he fires a few shots off and the final one does hit the the gas canister and uh, that's the end of that's the end of Jaws. There'll be no there'll be no trophy to bring home, no proof that you killed it. Um, just only a- memory. It's a fish dinner for the rest of the sea, but it's uh, yeah, it's 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 all she wrote for uh, for Big Jaws anyway. Yeah, and at this point, Brody obviously thinks he's still the sole survivor, and he's stuck out in the middle of the ocean with no boat. Um. And then Hooper swims back up and they realize that, oh, well, there's, I suppose there's two of us, but, you know, still no boat. Yeah. Um, and they're just kind of stuck in the, stuck there celebrating, you know, their achievement. We, we did it. We did it. And then I think it kind of so, it dawns on them. Okay. Well, what now? Because we don't have a, a radio to radio to anyone to come get us. Uh what do we do? Um, and I, I can't remember which one of them comes up with it, but they're just kind of like, if we just get on this these barrels and just start swimming towards the shore, I suppose, that's that's our best bet now. And there's a good little bit here where they talk to each other and they're like, uh, what day is it? Tuesday? Oh, no, Wednesday? Um, and I, I think that's good because obviously they're a seaside town. So the idea here is that if they're discussing this, obviously this the the guys need to go out and catch fish in a seaside town. So they're obviously discussing, oh, maybe a boat will come out and we'll be saved. Mm-hmm. But also they've been out, they have no idea what day it is anymore. They're still in shock and, you know, they've been out hunting this shark. They're not entirely sure what's going and they've on. They've had monstrous, uh, monstrous amounts of alcohol in their system as well. Yeah. You know, which... that they've come down from, you know, that's probably sobered them up, but probably now having a bit of an effect on them too. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh. that would sober you up, but they, the effect isn't just gone either, as you say. Like, it is still going to be ticking yeah. away, just waiting for its time to creep back in. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah um, well, I think I think they probably would have went for a cure directly back to Amity. Amity. I was about to say Amityville. Yeah. Directly back to Amity. Yeah. I'd say once and, they got uh, there, it was straight down to the to the local all right, yeah. Well, we probably needed to get a uh, get Hooper's leg looked at as well. <laughs> I would say I'd say that was, I'd say he was happy to just go straight to the local first and have the leg second. Straight to the pub, yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, it's it's um, it's such an amazing an amazing film. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing kind of piece of um, cinematic history. So many little nuances throughout the film as well. Like you say, um, you know, the scene obviously in the boat, um. It, with Quint is just you know one of the best as I say it's one of the best kind of um, pieces of dialogue between three guys in in um, in cinema history in my opinion anyway um, and something that 
you only kind of appreciate the older you are because as you say when you're a kid watching it you're just terrified and you want to see the shark yeah you know and you know it's like you said you know we grow grew up in a seaside town and my granddad had a a great way of being a great little storyteller like all the older kind of generation they were great great at limericks and stuff like that you know and uh he was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, that's that happened in Bray Beach. So you have to be careful. <laughs> <On a prick. laughs> I was like, what? 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 I was like, nah, I ain't getting in that water ever. Yeah. I'll stay at, the, stay at the front. But I was the same. Yeah, it was, I think everybody, as you say, it created a, a generation and is still creating generations of people scared shitless to uh, to get in the water. Um, so that shows how how big a movie this is um, and how how good how good the movie was. Yeah, um, I, I, going back and watching it, it was one of the things that I said before on the first show at Nile was that sometimes I fear when I go back and watch these kind of um, these old films for nostalgia. Like I still have a nostalgic view of them, um, and I'm always afraid that if I go back and watch this, am I going to ruin that view for myself? Um, obviously, it, it doesn't really happen with the likes of Karate Kid, and it doesn't happen with this because, as I said, it's one of my favorite horrors. So I have gone back and watched it previously, but. Um, there's always that fear that one of these ones I'm going to go back and watch and it's going to be not what I remember. And I'm just going to be like, this is not, why did I like this so much? And it why do I it happens. It happens with Christmas movies sometimes, doesn't it? You know, yeah, like sometimes you you're like, why did, I, why did I like this? Yeah. Like it's, it's funny because like we, you know, every year everyone goes back and watches home alone one and two. And you know, when you actually go back and watch them now as an adult, you're like, these guys are so fucking stupid. Like this is actually, yeah. And you're, and you're kind of laughing at you know Harry and you're especially Marv. I mean, I think Marv is just so funny, especially in uh, Home Alone too. I know it's off subject. We'll probably do them yeah. closer to Christmas, I guess. But um, no, I think there are certain movies like that, aren't there? That you go back and you go, "Whoa!" Like this, this didn't age for me well. Like yeah. whereas we can go back and watch Gremlins one time, and I'm sure if we do Gremlins ever... Uh, oh, we will be doing um, Gremlins at some point, all I'd, right, definitely. I'd say I'll be at the top of the list for that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> back to the Future and Gremlins, guys. If uh, if Ted ever decides to do these movies, he knows exactly who he's calling first. Oh, well, there's, there's just so many of them, but yeah. And Ghostbusters I, as well. I mean, like, I mean, oh, that's... Well, that, 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 that will be done when the new one comes out, because uh, that new film is obviously coming out where it's the new generations of Ghostbusters with the guy with the kid from um, Stranger Things in it, it which is be great. Out. Which it is, would it would already be out now if it wasn't for obviously this pandemic. COVID, yeah, course, but yeah. Um, when that comes out, I I'll be going back and doing a rewatch of the original Ghostbusters for sure. Yeah, so you guys are gonna see me on uh, see me on this a lot, and it's actually funny because this might upset a few people, but Ghostbusters Two was actually the better film, um, which is. Which is crazy. So, um, no, what they knew where they were, they kind of knew more what they want, what was what worked and what didn't work then at that well, time. That could it's... be one where we could cover both, maybe. Do you know what I mean? We could probably, yeah, cover both we probably will, shows. yeah, because they, you know, cool. they're both very good. But yeah, this film, you go back and watch it and it does still hold up, which it does shows how well it was directed, how well everything was done in it. Um, the acting, as you say, was, yeah, was fantastic. Top notch. I mean, yeah. it was on. There was only probably the only kind of piece of bad acting sometimes was obviously Brody's wife and and obviously that lady that lost the lost the son. Lost. Yeah. Um, Brody's wife, I mean, she's not a great actor initially in, in the movie. She used to scare me as a kid. I used to think it was like it looked like a man or something. To be honest with you, but the older I got, then I was like, no, oh, I actually appreciate her now because and obviously she's in all the films that 
perceive yeah. that as well. So you do kind of gain a love for her character. She doesn't and, get uh, much time read... in this film, to be fair. You don't really. No, get to, like, no, it's, no, no. It's but just in the Jaws odd two clip and here. three. Yeah, she gets a lot yeah, more in, in later two films. Three, she does. The four, four is pretty much all about her, like her and uh, yeah. Michael Caine. I think it's number four. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, it's such a great. I'd agree with you. I think the storytelling is amazing. The uh, the panoramic kind of views and and the cinematic views that Spielberg picked were just on the money. Um, I think the acting and the dialogue within the film was absolutely perfect. Um, the suspense from the movie. I mean, it is damn near a perfect film um, when you're looking in the thriller yeah. slash horror realm, for sure. Yeah, and for people who say they don't like, um, you know, people who aren't into horror films, they don't like the jump scares and they don't like this. This this is different. So, th- like, if you're not really into mm-hmm. horrors, this, this is a good way to kind of ease yourself into them. If you if you're looking to try and start watching some horror films, because it's not the jump scares, it's not the you know panicky stuff that the other films might incite in you, but it does have elements of that in it. So um, yeah, th- this is still one of my all-time favorite films, and I'm glad that Me when too. I went back and watched it, it that it still always holds up. Um, I, I I'm not I I don't really rate I don't rate films or anything, but this is that's just how I look at films is would I watch that again and for me the answer is still yes on Jaws well that's that's a ditto with me and I'm just glad that I'm the guy that you called obviously to uh to, to kind of do this one because as I say Jaws is a very kind of special film for me as well because like I mentioned that was actually a cool little story that was one of my that was me and my granddad's film do you know what I mean mm. and like he passed when I was like nine or something like that so it was a good kind of a lot the of memories of from my childhood. Yeah. Yeah, great memory. And it was really cool when I went to Universal um, a couple of years ago. We were walking by and we were in Universal for Halloween Horror Nights. So oh, we weren't nice. really meant to be just going around scanning the parks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But we went yeah. over and where the Jaws ride used to be, there's only little remnants of it now because yeah, that stupid gone. Harry Potter bloody took over it. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, but they still had the, uh, the iconic... Uh, shark hanging upside down you know hanging from the the tail and uh yeah it was actually and you can see there's still little um little bits from the the amity town that they used to have still around yeah it's really cool isn't it it's really cool so uh that was actually it was actually really funny she actually started going are you getting emotional there i was like yeah (laughs) it was just one of them i mean you've got a tie back to it that's not just the film you know it's it's a a family relative as well that you've got that ties that film for you yeah, and I think it's it is it is a special film though in terms of as you say not just in that in 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 its genre, as yeah, you said, cinematic 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 film like legacies. This is up there, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, I I I think it's it's personally my favorite Spielberg film, which and and he's got so many. So saying that is something, mm. you know what I mean? Um, he followed it up with a great movie afterwards, obviously with Close Encounters. But uh, no, this was. This was absolutely, you know, fantastic. As I say, it um it done the it done the, the book justice. I'd actually recommend people read the book too, if they ever want to. Yeah. Um it's a pretty it's a pretty good book. Um and yeah, like I say, ten out of ten. I'm 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 delighted to kind of take this little trip down memory or memory lane and go retro on this movie. Yeah, well, that's what this this podcast is all about. And uh we'll wrap it up there. But thanks very much for coming on and before we let you go, um, do you want to just 
give a little shout out to your own stuff just plug away there before we sign off well yeah we're all on the same team so obviously this podcast is brought to you uh, exclusively by the dynamo podcast network which we are obviously available on youtube because you're watching us but we're also if you're a if you're an audio guy or gal and you like listening to the audio of things and kind of just envisioning the movie i suppose in your own life while hearing people talk about it we are obviously available on all uh, podcast platforms so like spotify apple podcast google podcast whatever it may be and um we've got many many shows now we've obviously got um the four pod men which is a pro wrestling based show where like this we go back in time and uh, with, with four lads who are pretty clued into the wrestling world and uh just go back and um look at different moments and periods or people in time within the world of pro wrestling um obviously my baby with dynamo's dozen um that is uh that is pretty doing pretty well at the moment that's kind of what what got me here so um that's that's going to be making its debut on youtube next week um i believe do, 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 do. this week should i say uh, no this is going to come out monday right so it's going to be monday when people are hearing this yeah so yeah this this coming friday um i will have the uh, AEW slash NWA superstar Tonda Rosa will be on the show. So she's um, she's a really big deal in the world of pro wrestling. Repeat guest, um, just in case anyone didn't hear the first one. Yeah, repeat guest, completely different interview as well. So um, Less that's tears. really cool. So, yeah, and then, of course, we obviously have, you know, we have the, uh, we've got podcasts on pretty much everything. You know, we've got yeah. the upper tier um, the Over Under podcast as well, American Football, and um, Superior Comic Show, uh, with Peter who does all the kind of graphics and stuff for us. Um, I know you've done your own graphic, which is pretty cool as well. I like this graphic, mm. so that's uh, Ted's a DIY man. I just don't have the skills to do that yet. <laughs> and uh, then I'm we've sure Peter got... could have done it better than I did, but this is the the sort of style I like. The real kind of yeah, which is good. I like creativity. Thing. Yeah. And then we got, um, what else have we got? We've obviously got, what am I? Obviously, we've got the uh, King Rose Court, Carl King. Um, if you like music and especially rock slash heavy metal music, but any music, he does, uh, he's doing some great stuff now as well. Um, interviewing some some kind of local Irish talent at the moment. They go back and look at different albums um, and kind of talk and through, you know, big bands, discogra- discographies and stuff like that. And then myself and uh, one of the singers from a band called Creep in Ireland are a pretty, pretty big deal at the moment, young up-and-coming band. Myself and himself are going to be doing a uh, a boxing podcast, which is going to start next week, this week actually as well. Um, and that's going to be called The Creeping Southpaw. So it's almost a homage to, uh, to his band's name, Creep. Even though I came up with the name, I didn't want the name Dynamo involved in it again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> He was going to he he wanted to put something in like that, and I said, "What about the creeping southpaw?" Because you know what, a creeping southpaw sounds scary, doesn't he? Because he's just waiting, and then boom, mm. you know. So southpaw's um, always the to... dangerous one. Oh yeah, so um, we have that coming up on the first episode. I think we're going to be talking about the potential fight between Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. So uh, all that and more, guys and girls. Thanks for listening. Sorry for hearing me bang on, but like do. When you're on these shows, um, please give us a subscribe, a follow, and uh, hit the bell notification so you're, you know, you might not be into all of the shows, but at least you'll get notification of when your favorite one does pop up. 
and um, be sure to just leave comments, leave suggestions. Even if you don't like it, just let us know and tell us what we can do better. So, yeah, well, that's the thing. Can't uh, we can't improve on something if we're not told what people want you know, to see improved us. on? And yeah. as always, if you have any suggestions for films, uh, TV shows, music, anything that you'd like us to cover on the show, do just comment it below because if it is something that we can feasibly do a show on, that we'll definitely yeah. get one done. Um, so that's it for this week. Good luck. Well, it's time for that part of the show that you all love. The advertisements for our sponsors. I know, I know. None of us really like listening to these, but the truth is that we wouldn't be able to bring you this content without them. So let's just get down to it. First off, Wrestling Mania, the top floor of Stevens Green Shopping Centre. Really good shop for all of your wrestling needs, uh, whether that's DVDs, title belts, pop figure figurines, other collectibles, t-shirts and if you like boxing and mma he has stuff there for you too if he doesn't have something that you want you can ask him he'll order it in no problems really nice guy the owner of this shop so get on down to wrestling mania on the top floor of stevens green shopping center oh what's that a pandemic well that doesn't mean he's closed catch him on facebook just send him a message he'll sort you out no problems asked and our other sponsor, Peter Hart Graphics. Now, this guy has done most of, if not all of the graphics for the Dynamos Podcast Network. Really good stuff, guys. Seriously, this is top, top quality stuff. And he doesn't charge a bomb for it, which is the greatest part. If you need any sort of graphic designed, it's peterhartgraphics at gmail.com. That's Peter, P-E-T-E-R, Hart, H-A-R-T-E, Graphics, G-R-A-P-H-I-C-S at gmail.com. This guy is the easiest person I've ever worked with when it comes to making a graphic. He'll, you give him your ideas, he'll come back with something similar to what you wanted. And then if it might be exactly what you want. And if it's not, he is so open to criticism and tweaks. And he'll be back to you as soon as you give him what you want updated on that. This is easy, easy stuff to get done. But actually, if you tried to do it yourself, you'd realize just how difficult it is to make it look smooth and clean. Not a problem with Peter Hart Graphics. Check out his stuff on his Facebook page, Peter Hart Graphics. 